This is Keyshawn Rains, the host of Working Title with Keyshawn Rains, where amazing things happen. A series of past the collection plate style conversations with a Creole, queer, femme, yogi, mom, coach, author, and of course, podcast host with a nomadic soul, a quirky sense of humor, and an activator of empowerment. These conversations are just a chance for me to speak on ways to be mindful in a mindless world. Stories are shared, folks are empowered, inspired, and impacted to be more phenomenal versions of themselves through simple conversations about complex like love, life, and the pursuit of being real. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being here. So we're going to dive right in and I'm going to give you a chance to introduce yourself to the listeners by sharing your name, where you're from, and what you stand for. Okay. Take it away. All right. So my name is Jonathan Dumas. I'm originally from San Diego, California, um, but now reside in Long Beach, uh, California. Um, And what do I stand for? I stand for um, a world where everybody can show up as themselves without having to wear masks, without having to present this false person um, and just can be free. So that's what I, that's what I stand for. I like that. I also would like to be in a world where everyone doesn't have to wear masks. Yes. <laughs> figuratively, figuratively <laughs> or literally. That would be fantastic. Uh, yo, I didn't even see what I did there. That's so, yo, that's so funny. I but one hundred percent, yes. No, I would love that. Yes. Oh talk my gosh. Talk to me a little bit. Talk to me a little bit about you know what it means to to wear a mask. I would say figuratively. What what does that mean for you? What does that look like? Yeah, I think a lot. Growing up, I, I spent a lot of time t- like allowing people to tell me, you know, who I am or who I'm going to be, how I'm going to show up in the world. Um, what I was even going to do for a career um, and a job. And so um, it wasn't until like, you know, mid to late 20s where I like kind of just had this reawakening of what I wanted to do, uh, of who I am and everything like that. And, and I realized like how many masks I was wearing um, for other people, how heavy those daggone things were, um, how emotionally like weighted down I was, how mentally weighted down I was. And so um, slowly but surely doing the work um as far as you know therapy counseling all that stuff but also like you know taking some time to take care of myself and and be with my partner and all that stuff to understand like who I am what do I want and like looking at myself in the mirror and like being proud of who I'm becoming um and so I just anywhere and everywhere I try and encourage that level of authenticity and vulnerability uh and allowing folks to be their their full selves as well so as I'm trying to rediscover myself um yeah, that's kind of what it means to me. Yeah, no, <clears throat> thank you for that. No, and I think yeah. that I, I listen to a lot of Abraham Hicks as part of my daily practice. And mm-hmm. there's, um, you know, this thing that she, that they, you know, that she, they often refer to, which is like, when we come into this world as babies, we come into this world as our whole selves mm-hmm. with no judgments, no, no expectations, and really knowing who we actually are. And then over time, these other identities and other expectations we adopt based on the world, you know, our caretakers, our parents, our elders, et cetera. And then we reach a point in adulthood where we look at ourselves and in Mm. a lot of times don't even really recognize who we are looking at because we put on these masks. We've, We've applied these 
other identities or other personalities to benefit those around us until we just decide like enough already. Yeah. I don't want to be that anymore. I want to be, you know, who I actually am. So can you talk to me a little bit about your, your journey, you know, to this place of discovery where you're, you're ready to take those masks off and and encouraging others to do the same? Absolutely. I, I think it, it, it goes back to like, my undergrad career, um, career, uh, my undergrad like time in, in college. And, and I went to like a very, very white school. Um, it was a faith-based institution. It was heavily evangelical. Um, and at the time, that's what I subscribed to. And I found myself, you know, oftentimes being tokenized. Uh, my story of how I grew up just being used and abused. Um, a friend of mine uh, <laughs> texted me a picture uh of my picture still up in at that school right and I'm just like that's literally like a very like that's 10 plus years at this point where it's still there and mm-hmm. and like I was very ingrained in the culture and so it wasn't until like you know after I graduated I decided not to be a lawyer not to go to <laughs> law school anything like that um, I recognized that like there was a lot of pressure uh put on me by like my family, put on me by being the first person in my family to go to college um, and graduate college uh, to do something great. It didn't, I don't know what it was going to be, but like, I, I didn't realize like there was, I felt this internalized pressure until I like literally had a meltdown. Like I just literally, um, I had just gotten hired on this like job and it was my first job that was like salary, whatever. And, uh, and I went to a party that night and I, I'm, I, I thought all my problems were going to be done. And I had like my first like major panic attack. Like I literally could not breathe in the middle of this party. And so um, like uh, then on top of that, like I had some heart stuff going on. Um, it ended up being fine. But but all of it was like stress induced. Like I didn't realize like how anxious I was. I didn't realize like how stressed out I was. My blood pressure was always high. Um, and it was just all this pressure. And so um, it was from these labels, these identities and stuff like that growing up that I didn't realize that I would put on me by my family, mm-hmm. that I was putting on myself when I went to that <laughs> horrible school. Um, and <laughs> We're not going to tell anybody the name of yes, the school. No, it's, <laughs> they, don't get any, they don't get any free publicity for trauma. Right. Um, and, then, uh, and then, yeah. And so that was like the first start of it where I, where I'm, where I'm trying to like figure out, you know, what is, what's going on? Who am I? Um, and a few years later decided like, oh, I think I want to do like organizational psychology. And so I like started examining like in there, they, they have you do like a lot in the program I did was like a lot of internal work too. Cause they want to produce like the best leaders. If you're going to like be talking about leadership and going into organizations. So I did like a lot of like self-development there and like figuring out who I am, reading books, taking time, um, I didn't date nobody for a while um, and really like tried to figure out like, what, what do I want? Who the hell is Jonathan, you know, um, and started saying no to stuff, started spending time in places where it made me happy, um, started spending more time alone, not, not feeling like I had to be surrounded by a bunch of folks and, <clears throat> and ended up at that time did meet somebody who like encouraged that in me um, and supported me and, and, and she's, uh, she's been an incredible partner. Um, in that and like encouraged me to like explore my blackness too because that was something that I was like repressing and I didn't know and realize and so it's been like a beautiful like journey the last like few years of just like falling in love with the skin I'm in again um like accepting like my creative process like mm-hmm. learning more and more about like who I am and so it's it's been it's been 
uh, it's been cool. Um, just like exploring that and, and taking time and um, love my black self. <laughs> yes, no, I love that. Yeah. I'm glad you shared that because I, I can relate, you know, I'm, I'm born and raised for the most part from Southern California. Uh, however, between the age of five and the age of 17, I went to several different schools. Mm. I went from being in a predominantly white school to a predominantly black school back to a predominantly white school. And then mm. my college went to a historically black college. There we so go. I had this very, you know, checkered, you know, not to be too pun like, but had a very <laughs> checkered experience in school where from my first, you know, time in a classroom, I was the only black student in my classroom. All of my instructors were black. All my teachers were black. I mean, white, I should say. And yeah. I was the only black person. Then I went to a predominantly black school where it was the opposite. Mm. Everybody was black. So by the time I got to high school, <clears throat> which, you know, high school can already be a challenging experience anyway, yeah. let alone being in an environment where it was a predominantly white environment. I was the first black fill in the blank, first black, mm. you know, assistant editor-in-chief on the newspaper first black you know varsity cheerleader first black fill in the blank and yeah. I realized at that time <clears throat> I didn't know that I was being like a pioneer in these spaces I just mm -hmm. figured well I also wanted to study law you know I actually want I actually wanted to just be Claire Huxtable actually yeah I yeah <laughs> well, <laughs> I wasn't even I really know the details of being a yeah. lawyer but I definitely wanted to be Claire Huxtable I wanted to wear suits I wanted to carry a briefcase and I love to argue or debate yeah. I should say so I wanted to pursue a career in law so when I was in high school I joined the mock trial team and it was a big deal because I was at the time again one of two black students who were on this mock trial team mm. and I remember at that time that was when I started to really recognize my blackness so to mm. speak I grew up in a two-parent household my mother's creole my father's black mm. always was exposed to black culture however it wasn't until I realized that I was being othered mm -hmm. like you said I was being tokened tokenized yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't know that was actually happening to me until after the fact when I went to a historically black college in North Carolina and was again back in an environment where everybody was black it was then that I realized oh wait a minute you mean that's why they had me stand in the front of that picture you mean yes that's, that's what was going on <laughs> so <clears throat> there was definitely like you said kind of revisiting my identity as a person mm -hmm. and then recognizing that while my my white peers in high school weren't necessarily trying to be malicious you know and things with their behavior I didn't recognize that I was I was suppressing parts of myself and adopting these other identities as a way of just like fitting in yeah you know? yeah as a as a means of survival you yeah. know in a lot of ways socially surviving and so it was, it was an interesting journey that once I left college and just kind of entered like real adult life that I realized that I, I was getting job interviews that other people weren't getting, that I was getting invited into certain predominantly white spaces and organizations that other people weren't getting because I was that palatable black lady. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I was the, the gentle one. I was one of the good ones. And mm -hmm. then, you know, again, not recognizing in a professional environment that some of those things that I wore as like accolades were actually microaggressions. And I mm -hmm. was like, again, had this whole like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, moment. And, um, 
and yes, started, you know, doing some deep exploration and started therapy and counseling and really just doing a deep dive into like who I actually am as a person. And I think that's, I feel like that's something that we naturally go through, you know, Mm -hmm. from childhood into adulthood and then continuing into later adulthood, we reach a point where we say, well, for me, I reached a point where I said, I have to get to a place where I know exactly who I am, no matter where I am. Yeah. And that was my process of getting no. there. Yeah. So. I, I love that too, of like find, being who you are, where you are, because sometimes you ain't got the option, you know what I'm saying? Like, and there, there are people that I've, I've worked with, talk with, that I hang out with, that I know that are in space. And I'm like, I don't know how you can, you know, like be there but they are like fully themselves and, they're like, and, and they don't care. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I think that's the most important thing is like locking in. And, and if you could show up and be you and, and you're still there, you know what? Shout out to you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah. real. That's real. So I want to talk a little bit about your podcast. So mm-hmm. I know that you also host a podcast and I want to just, you know, share a little bit with me about where, where the podcast was, was born, where it came from, and what are some of the things that you are hoping to accomplish with it? Yeah. And hold on just one second. That was something in my pocket. All right. So um, no, I, uh, yeah. So my podcast is called Real Talk with Dumal. And essentially I started it um, just like a selfish thing. I started back in March, 2020. Um, and essentially all I wanted to do was like have a conversation with, um, you know, my friends, my family, you know, some people that I come across, uh, have them on kind of like learn more about who they are, what they're about more intentionally. Right. And, you know, if there's difficult conversations, why not just know I like having hard conversations, not because, you know, of the conversation itself was because, you know, we, I discover something more and more about who you are after that thing. If we do it, um, in a way that's like both honoring you and me and our, our perspectives. Right. And so I just started recording them. Um, I talked to my brothers, I talked to my mom, I talked to my partner, um, friends, you know, and it started to expand that thing. Um, but what I didn't, so what I wasn't anticipating is that like, it would become something that um, one, I'm like deeply passionate about, but two would serve as like a, a way for like people to engage and understand like topics that like they didn't under, like, understand or, or, or were aware about before. So for example, um, uh, I, I knew that my podcast was turning into something else because I, uh, it was around uh, George Floyd um, and how that started getting a lot of media coverage. Um, a lot of folks were in pain, um, but me and my partner, who is a white woman from Minnesota, um, just outside of Minneapolis, uh, we, we had already had a lot of conversations about what it meant to be an interracial couple um, and trying to figure that thing out, especially at the time we were living in Orange County, which is an incredibly um, oh, well, well. white, yeah, incredibly white place, and <laughs> incredibly racist place. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, we'll go on walks and we'll see like, not just Trump flags, but like those flags that there are so many different colors, you don't know what they mean. Um, and so like, and like, I'm living in a place where I, I literally don't feel safe. Um, and I'm wondering why I'm having all these many like panic attacks all the time. Mm. And so we went to a protest together. Um, and that night we recorded a, po- a podcast. And so basically we just put it all out there. And it's not like these conversations we didn't already have or work through, but like we were just very vulnerable. You know what I'm saying? Like we talked about, you know, get, how often did I bring up getting a divorce? Uh, how often did I bring up 
um, you know, I can't, I literally can't live in Orange County anymore and I'm gonna leave with you or without you. Um, uh, yeah, how, how you work in diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging spaces and still like there is some harm that is still being done by like you not recognizing the pain that I'm in mm-hmm. um, and just put it all out there. And I, I mean, I, I recognize some stuff in, in myself too. You know, I, <laughs> I, I recognize that I'm very privileged as far as like middle-class, <laughs> you know, two degrees, all that stuff and, and, and pointed that out. But the, in that context, it was just a very different conversation. And so like that trajectory of the podcast just changed. Um, and then like, you know, it turned into like an education thing and like, teaching people how to like have conversations and do it in a way that's again, honoring somebody else's perspective, but also, you know, like we're not going to skirt around it. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what it is. I'm really passionate about it. I love it. Um, it's just something I do on the side, but I, I really do love the real fam and um, got people all over the U S and a few people um, from different countries and stuff. So it's, it's a cool thing. That's kind of like become this thing a couple years later, almost. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, honestly, Tough conversations are typically the most beneficial because Mm. it's like you said, it's the things that we often want to skirt around, the things we often want to avoid because socially it's like, oh, what's the appropriate time to bring up racism? What's the appropriate time to bring up sexism? What's the appropriate time to talk about, you know, uh, wealth gaps and biases and politics? Like, you know, we think of like spaces that I've been in where they're like, well, we don't talk about is religion and politics. I'm like, well, what the fuck are we going to talk about? Yeah, for real. <laughs> what are we, are we going to talk about gravy? Are we exchanging yeah. recipes? Like, why are we actually here? You know, yeah. and so I think that what I, what I appreciate about the podcasting space is that it does create what I consider to be a pretty unique opportunity for people to be able to at least listen in on a conversation between two people where they might have opposing ideas or they might have alternative perspectives or points of view. However, as a listener, I know, you know, the podcast and things that I listen to at the end of every one, if it's a good one, then I'm then encouraged Mm -hmm. to address some of my own biases and beliefs systems or explore again new new ways of looking at things or leave like you said with an, an educational imprint that says oh I learned something today you yeah. know when you think about bringing conversations forward into a public space that otherwise would be happening behind closed doors that's what podcasting is for me is. yeah yeah and I love the fact mm-hmm. that like I'm you know, I'm forced to listen, but I'm not forced to listen. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm making a conscious decision that I'm going to like sit in this conversation, hear what's going on and like, think about it. And like, there's been some of the best podcasts I listened to, like, honestly, like challenge me to like rethink. And like, that's, you know, that's what I've always encouraged folks to do is like, you need to be uncomfortable. Like if you're constantly uncomfortable, constantly getting into conversations where like, you're not challenged or pushed forward or pushed against or anything like that, like you're not growing. Like, what's the point really? Um, and so like, that is where I've like discovered the most about myself, about my biases, about, you know, my, my discriminatory, like thoughts and actions and stuff like that. And, and, um, gotten proven wrong a whole lot, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Um, and you know, just because I'm a black person and and all that stuff doesn't mean like I have it all figured out. Like there's a lot of learning and continue continuous learning that has to go into like how I can best be, um, not just an advocate for for uh for people that look like me but for women for um those who are uh, like or differently able those who are in um 
other like historically excluded communities, you know what I'm saying? And like, how can I, how can I be a best advocate and ally there without like hearing anybody's stories or knowing anything? Um, that's not gonna happen if right. I'm just in this echo chamber of people that think the same, <laughs> believe the same and like pumping me up and making me feel good. Cause there's a lot of nonsense out there, like a, a ton of bull, <laughs> a ton of bullshit. <laughs> so much, so much that, stuff. Right? Oh, in the last few weeks of just like, I, I don't know, I'm not gonna give them any like play, but they just said this wild, wild stuff and just talking about black women all kinds of way. And I like legit wanna fight, <laughs> like legit wanna fight again. But, <laughs> but, but it's just like <laughs> stuff like that. Like, why can't we put anything like positive out in the world? That's like not going to, um, again, it's going to honor somebody else's perspective and, and, and encourage dialogue, but also be like, we aren't going to take transphobia, homophobia, racism, um, ableism, ageism, sex, any of those things. Right. And so like, you know, I'm, I'm gonna call you in and if necessary, I'm gonna call you out. Cause like, it's ridiculous, you know? And so that's what I, that's what I hope that's, that's what podcasting has done for me. Um, yeah, honestly, podcast has been life-changing just as a listener of podcasts, yeah. honestly. So um, I just- I like that. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm gonna call you in and I'm gonna call you out. Yes. <laughs> just, I mean, if we think about it, like where, you know, change actually happens is when you have opposing ideas, forces, et cetera, that, impact one another and the result yes. that happens after that impact that is the change yes because yeah. like you said if we're just existing in our separate worlds like you said i love you the the term you use the echo chamber mm -hmm. if everyone around me and everyone that i interact with is like yes i agree everything you said is correct absolutely mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where are we going we're not going yeah. anywhere. we're just stroking each other's egos and making each other feel good about ourselves and getting nothing done yeah it's yeah. only in those spaces in those conversations where someone comes in and says well why do I need to ask somebody what their uh, gender pronouns are and why should I accept that someone is choosing a different identity and why 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 having someone come in and say well this is why yeah have you ever considered this yeah and having and challenging that person to say well why why is this a, an issue for you why is there resistance here let's lean into that that's where change happens mm -hmm. otherwise we just stay on the same cycle in this same pattern and get absolutely nowhere and if we're doing that we're not evolving like you said earlier we're not growing yeah yeah if every conversation you have if every conversation you have is one that is solely affirming and never challenging you're not growing you you're ain't you ain't you ain't doing nothing on top of that, that's a pretty boring that's that's it's a really boring like life you know what i'm saying like gosh like i just uh i just remember like the the moments where i i felt like all right i know i'm gonna spend the rest of my life with like my partner mm -hmm. is because she would just straight up be like no <laughs> you, know <what> I'm <laughs> you, know, you know what i'm saying like and, and i'm like oh i've never had this before you know what i'm saying and and i feel like our relationship has grown because of those moments right i think my relationship with my mom hasn't hasn't gotten to a place of where it is until i i started like pushing back and being like mom like this is honestly what i think mm -hmm. and like taking healthy modes of of like communicating of like mom, I just need you to listen to me right now. And I just mm -hmm. want to communicate this thing. And our, our relationship is like completely different now. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? 
is it, there's just like different modes and even pushing back against my grandpa who was saying some outlandishly xenophobic <laughs> things but like the 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 but there's stuff like that 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 happens right and i'm just like yo like if we could do like if we could just bottle this up and just like share it like this is you could it's it's possible you know what i'm saying and, and the outcomes is just it, it really can be a beneficial thing uh, which that's why i love i have a love-hate relationship with social media because i'm just like just remember this one time I got dragged on socials like by by black by black um Instagram and they ruthless like black Instagram and black Twitter ruthless and this is one time I just like celebrated this one person who uh um it's like um I forgot it's like HBCU college of sports something like that I can't remember what it was but basically they had posted like this this young white woman who like did a lot and me coming from higher ed originally you know first gen being in a ton of clubs, working multiple jobs, doing as much as you did. I'm like, yo, and double double major, shout out to you. Go ahead, sis, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I got dragged for saying like, I don't know how she did it. I made a joke. I literally know how you could do it. It's very possible, you know what I'm saying? But they just dragged me and they were like, it's really possible. I'm tired of y'all, you know, uplifting these vibes. I'm just like, gee, come on, man. Like, it's right. stuff like that. Like you make these quick responses and not having a conversation. It's just like kind of frustrating i get what they were saying but like if they kind of like if they came from the space that i was in like they would recognize you know i worked with i worked at the time with like first generation low income um you know doing this on your own like you know single parent house all those different things i like worked with students like that so it is an achievement regardless you know what i'm saying yeah she got some privilege but we you know it's it's still hard regardless anything like that anyways yeah no i agree i mean i i I feel like oftentimes social media, I'm glad you brought that up. Social media is, um, it is an, it is an interesting place to exist within. It is definitely a permanent element in our culture. Mm -hmm. I think the challenges that I have with socials is how bold people can be behind a handle in a way that does not exist in real life. Yeah. You know, if I had a chance to sit down with people like you said in black twitter and black instagram spaces if i had a chance to sit down with them toe to toe the conversation would look very different very different in the comments in the such and you know and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so i feel like social media as a tool is a tool of connection i mean it's a tool to it's a tool to create connection it's a tool to create community now what your community is centered around you know might vary depending (laughs) on you know depending on the creator depending on who's behind it i mean people can gather about knitting or they can gather about the kkk (laughs) so that you know how you what community you're building depends on the person however i do think that there's something that I realize is happening with social media. I mean, like I'm a Gen Xer, you know, mm-hmm. I, re- I remember before the internet and I remember now with the internet, I remember a time when, you know, putting yourself out in a public way, I believe ha- came with a certain level of responsibility where people were aware I'm a person of influence. I'm putting myself out here. I'm standing on this platform and I know what I know and I know why I know it and I know why I stand for it. Whereas with social, none of that responsibility really seems to exist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where Mm -hmm. people are just kind of like, I got a, I got a platform and I'm going to stand on it. And I'm going to say all kind of shit that may or may not be true or substantiated or supported with fact, but I'm just going to say it. Yeah. (laughs) That's where it gets a little wild on social media for me. 
what's so frustrating too is that like i don't i don't like to toss around like the fact that you know i'm an organizational psychologist but like when somebody comes at me and like i literally study work for like i study work for a living so if i say something it's not like i'm just you know spewing it might be partially opinion but it also like is backed by facts and i'm not going to spend my time <laughs> to send you my like research all that stuff but like you know it's it's so frustrating to see these people who have a lot of influence have a lot of sway just spewing lies spewing lies and like my influence of folks is probably it's less than 5000 and but you see people that have like you know 30, 40, 50,000 people, 100,000 people listening mm. to everything they say go viral. I'm like, yo, like this is dead wrong. Like stop giving this this thing room to breathe. It's so frustrating um, to see or just like straight up get discredited because like <laughs> I don't have enough followers to, to, to say anything. It's just like wild to me. So it is. Yeah. It is pretty wild. And I mean, I, I think this is another reason why I think I I lean into podcasting as a way of creating digital community or virtual community or real life community yeah. in a lot of ways, because I, I feel like there's something about the audio slash video spaces. There's something about the one-on-one, -on -one, you know, conversations that happen in a podcasting space that are different than what happens on social. And you're right. You know, there are a lot of people that I see are influencers that aren't influencing anything but being influential that's yeah. it there's nothing else that's actually there's no like substance yes. behind it you know what i mean yes like, yeah. what are, what, okay where are you leading us nowhere okay so why am i following you you know yeah so i think that i think what i'm grateful for is people like yourself who are like no i i know my shit um i actually studied this i am actually a professional in this medium and i also have opinions about politics and health and wellness and social justice and family and i also have all these things yeah and i'm a whole person and i'm this and i'm that instead of like locking people into these very monolithic ideas of what a person can be the the dragging that happens on social it's like drag me because i said something that wasn't true don't drag me because i disagreed with you <laughs> come on now say it again because it's just it's i mean if i say something true it's factual you know what i'm saying just don't say nothing at all you know what i'm saying like if you disagree just you know nah but yo if if you yeah i just come on now that's that's so funny yeah, that's so funny i only have to say I only, I like it, should be common, it should be common sense but at the same time i feel like folks get forget yeah Will they say common sense ain't common that's no say. common sense ain't common it ain't it ain't. I was talking to somebody we, earlier this week. And she was like, I don't believe in common sense. I'm like, you know what? You got a point. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, I believe in the Easter Bunny, but it might not be real. I don't yes. know, you know. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so funny. So cool. Time for a break. Time for a breather. One thing that we often forget to do as we move throughout our lives, throughout our day, is to breathe. So I invite you right now to allow three deep, intentional breaths to enter and exit your body. And by the time you're done, we will be ready to continue. Thank you so much for listening.
we're going to switch gears a little bit. I want to mm -hmm. give, um, give the folks a chance to kind of tap into some, some insight just about you, Jonathan. So before I record my podcast, I always like to send my guests a little questionnaire and it's a chance for me to get to know you a little better. So I'm going to rephrase some of these questions for you so that the listeners can know you uh, the way I know you. So yeah. first one I have for you is, um, what is something about you that most people don't know? Okay. Well, um, it's either people don't know this or they forget this about me, but like, I love to sing and I can sing. I've been singing it since I was like five years old. But the thing is, is that like, I love to sing. I love to make up songs, do that. Um, but I'm so like self-conscious about it. Uh, um, I don't know why, but like, I'm like self-conscious about it. So I don't like to share it because then I get like this performance thing and it just like makes me really anxious. So, um, but if I got on the stage, I'd be totally fine. Um, give me some lyrics, I'll be good. But like, it's just like really hard. Oh yeah, I can sing as like one of my things. <laughs> it just makes me nervous. But that's one thing that yeah. some people forget about me or, or don't know about me. <clears throat> Love to sing. Yeah, I've been singing for a while. That's so cool. And I guess also it's like when you tell people that you can sing, they're like, sing a song for me. It's like, well, no, I can sing. I'm not going to sing right now though. Like it's yes, like, yes. I'm, I have, but I'm just, I'm not like performing all the time, you know, yeah. I got to like rev up to that. So no, I can, I can relate to that. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, and something, something else that you shared that most people might not know about you is that you don't really like big crowds. So I do not. what was quarantine like for you? Did you just love it? <laughs> well, the thing is, is like, I found, I discovered that thing about myself. Like I didn't realize like, so like I've been to weddings. I've been to like, like gone to the club, all that stuff. And I didn't realize, like, I thought I was just like not drunk enough or like, <laughs> or like, you know, I'm just like having an off, off night or something like that. So I would constantly force myself to go to these big crowd stuff. And like, during quarantine, I'm like, wow, this is really nice to just like replenish. Cause I always thought I was like an extra, <laughs> thought I was an extrovert. Come to find out I'm way more introverted. Like it was so nice to not have to go places or go to parties, like go to a Zoom, like hang out with some friends and then just log off and be like, oh, and just like be by myself. Like I would wake up in the morning and just like hang out in, in my living room. Cause we have like a cool, like um, the sun hits our living room really nice. And I like it. And I would come out here, have my coffee and go for a walk by myself and listen to a podcast, listen to some music, stuff like that. Read a book, started reading a whole lot. It was really nice. So I'm much more introverted and I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I loved it. But I um, wholeheartedly relate. Yes. I used to think I was an extro extrovert because I'm like, I'm not shy. I don't mind talking to strangers. I mm -hmm. have a confident, you know, way of kind of introducing myself and developing connections with people really easily. However, once my therapist explained to me what it actually means to be introverted versus extroverted. It's like, you can be an introvert and still be a people person, still yep. be sociable, still be all those things. It's like the way we recharge is when we have our, what I like to call sacred solitude, you know, time to myself. But I, same. Yeah. Once, you know, California decided, well, California never really like closed, closed for real. I feel like yeah. we were like open closed. <laughs> open closed. Closed-ish. <laughs> You know, yeah. but yeah. I feel like once things started opening up officially and I started getting invitations, 
I remember getting an invitation. This was over the summer, like this past summer. Someone said, oh, I'm having a, you know, 30th birthday or something. And I was like, okay, cool. Send me the link. And this is me, Zoom link. And she's like, no, here's the address. I was like, oh, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) What's it? I don't know if I'm going to be there, girl. I love you. I'll be in your Zoom party. Yes. But but yeah, I'm not really a big fan of crowds either, you know, and that's where like, you know, I love live music and people are like, oh, I can't wait till concerts come back. And I'm like, oh, I really liked watching Justin Bieber on the television. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I love live music too, but I'm, I, I, it literally is a ramp up for me. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's go. Like, all right, here we go. Um, And then I always like just hold my drink and just like get back up off of me, you know, just stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah, I just, uh, there's been moments where I think back, I'm like, that was a panic attack. I did not realize it was a panic attack, but like I left the wedding early because I was literally like, I don't know why I can't breathe or something like that, you know? So um, it's not that bad anymore, mm-hmm. but like now I'm just like, I don't have to go to this. I don't. I don't have to go to this. And like, I love you, yeah. but like, I'm good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm exactly. good. Yeah, I agree. And I have had similar experiences, you know, like I wouldn't know like, oh, do I have social anxiety? Well, no, I like going around people, but when mm-hmm. I go around people, then I have these feelings. And so mm-hmm. same, I've had similar experiences where I recognize that I enjoy being social. However, I know that certain social environments make me uncomfortable. They trigger yeah. anxiety. They trigger that sense of panic. And I'm like, this is not fun. Mm-hmm. And if I have to hype myself up every time I got to do it, maybe I don't want to do that anymore, you know, because I can go to small gatherings and small events, or I can go to spaces and really have an opportunity to really socialize in a way where I'm like, oh, I met these really great people. And we had some cool little conversations. Yes. More value to me than, oh, were you at that event? There was 25,000 people there. Hell no, I was not there. And I'm not, don't invite me actually, because I'm not going. Yeah. (laughs) I think more people are starting to get, I think, you know, quarantine created an opportunity for us to be able to, of course, spend more time with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think like going forward that we're starting to recognize that we kind of were saying earlier, we're doing things as part of an identity that we thought we were supposed to embody. When in fact, that's not who we are, you know, to be okay with really standing in that and expressing that, I think is where we're starting to see ourselves evolve into where people are able to say, no, thank you. Yeah. Move on. You know, and that's, and that's it. Like, and like, uh, a, um, what's it, uh, not qualifying my no is like giving myself permission to say no, um, which is something I had I had to learn because I felt honestly I felt like these opportunities aren't going to come like if I don't go they're going to forget about me they're not going to like me or all these all these like essentially like lies I'm telling myself right it's not it's not true they still love me they still care about me if I if I leave early if I you know don't go to this I will get invited to the next one you know it'd be different if I just kept saying no 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 no. Uh, but at that point I'm trying to drop a hint I don't want to go but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but like uh, but, uh, the the other stuff the real ones they know like yeah we'll hang out another time or do a smaller group or whatever but yeah, yeah COVID I, has been a really good excuse to say no do a lot of things but I know yeah. I was I remember at one point asking myself like okay so how long can we use COVID as an excuse not <laughs> <laughs> like, how much more time do we have before this is no longer yeah. an acceptable RSVP COVID not coming yeah so, yep 
No, actually. Yeah, so that's funny. another question that I ask is, um, if you could reside anywhere in the world, where would you live and why? Yeah, I think for the longest time, I probably would have said somewhere on the East Coast or something like that. Um, but uh, it is too cold. And I recognize about myself, I can't do cold for long periods of time. Um, but one of the things I do love to do is travel a whole lot. So I would need like a home base and I don't know where, but a place I haven't spent a ton of time um, is like anywhere in Europe or anywhere in like Africa. I haven't spent a lot of time there. So I would want like a hub where I can just like bounce and just go somewhere where I haven't been. And I haven't spent a ton of time on the other side of the world. So um, yeah, but there's, I want to visit like South Africa, Senegal, um there's just like so many different places I want to like check out and like be um so I'm still I don't know and then there's like the Caribbean I want to check out too yeah, yeah I don't know I'm just yeah. I, I don't I don't know I don't have an answer I just want to travel I want a home base so I could just go real quick fast and hurry to places yeah. I haven't been before I just need a place to receive my Amazon packages in my mail <laughs> yes. and then a passport and some, yeah. some some flight miles. I'm good to exactly. go. Exactly. Like, you know, just yeah. I just need a place where I can, you know, like you said, to kind of have a chance to reset, to have a home base. I I feel very similar. I I love traveling. You know, there's I, my goal is you know people call it bucket list type stuff, but I definitely want to visit every continent, maybe with the exception of Antarctica. I don't know. There's a lot for me to see there, but yeah, yeah. the rest of the continents I definitely want to visit. Mm-hmm. I have not been to Africa or Australia yet, mm-hmm. and um and not you know necessarily all of Asia but those are places that I want to see because I think sometimes we forget that there's so much more to this world than the four corners that we exist on and so yeah. having a place where I could reside if California has always been home my family is here however I've had a chance to live in different places I also am not a fan of the cold yeah I'm <laughs> in Washington DC and it was like this is cool we live in DC except six months out of the year, it's freezing outside. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not really very much fun. Yeah, yeah. I experienced negative 40 degrees one time. I and I said, why, <laughs> why? <laughs> I was like angry. I'm yes. like, this is bullshit. <laughs> why are you counting this? Yeah, <laughs> like negative 40, what? So thank God I don't have to do that anymore. But shout out, shout out Minnesota. But the thing shout is, out to yeah, yeah but, but like, yeah, I would, I would, I mean, I could do, I could do like, you know, I don't even know the lowest I'll go. Like maybe like 20. Yeah. Maybe 20, but like 20 kind of pushing it. Like I, I remember know. in DC cause like snow typically happens when it's like a, like 40 degrees or lower. Yeah. And it's like, snow is cool. And it's like, Oh, it's snowing. And that's cute. But then it's like, Oh, it's been snowing for five days. Yeah. I don't like it anymore. No. You know? Um, but yeah, I, I feel like for me, cold weather means I have to stay inside. Yeah. And I don't necessarily like to be inside all the time. Like I love being outdoors. I love the sunshine. Obviously growing up in California has a lot to do with that. I think that not being able to, or if I chose to go outdoors and then I have to bundle up and you know, that mm. whole thing. So it's just a lot of extra work to be in cold weather. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm it's, a fan of it. <laughs> yep. I'll pass. I'll pass. I'll go there and you know do it a little bit, but I don't want to, I don't want to stay there. there. Yeah. No, no. thank you. So my last question on here is if you woke up tomorrow morning with $100 million in your bank account, what is the first thing you would do? 
gonna be you know more spontaneous because the original thing i'm like oh i want to like pay down debt you know (laughs) (laughs) but i'm like i'm at a point where i'm like y'all keep messing around y'all might not get this money (laughs) but um so gosh what would i do like the practical side of me just like although i say i want to like you know have a home base or do this thing like i want to buy a home like create like a legacy for people out after me um but also just like I've always had this dream of like becoming rich so I can give money away too, you know? Um, and me and my partner, we talked about like, what, you know, what could we do even right now is like mm-hmm. develop like a grant program. Like we could set aside a thousand dollars, you know, every quarter or so. And just like, yo, go live your best life. Here you go. A thousand, a thousand dollars, whatever. Um, and just like give. So I've always wanted to be rich and give stuff away. So I probably just travel and just give the money away, but probably put away a little bit of money away so it can keep making money. Um, and that stock thing, so it could fund my travels and just keep go. keep going different places, buy my mom a home, um, stuff like, like that. Buy a house for your mom, do you like? Your yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Well, I have a, I have a 20 year old son, and yeah. I always tease him. I'm like, okay, so what's first thing you're gonna do when you make your first million or your first 10 million or whatever? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, so you, you don't want to buy me a house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah my mom's gonna get that range rover and she's gonna get that house so you know what i'm saying after i hook her up you know there you go there you Mm -hmm. go i think that's good i mean i the reason i like to ask that question and thankfully so far all of my guests have had answers that are somewhat similar to yours which is you know of course take care of the practical things i need to get to take care of make sure that my family is set up nicely and then find a way to circulate that money to benefit the lives of other people you know Mm -hmm. because i think that we live in a, a world where there's a lot of greed and, and there's yeah. not necessarily a lot of consideration of other people. And I think that from like an energetic standpoint or even like a spiritual standpoint, money is just energy. So when it comes in large mm-hmm. quantities like that, that's a huge opportunity for us to circulate that and, and really, really increase the power of that energy in the first place. So I love that. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just don't, I mean- I don't think billionaires should exist. Like, it's just, it's wild to me that somebody has so much money that you literally could spend a million dollars every single day for an entire year. And like, it, it's a drop in the bucket. Like that's mm-hmm. wild to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I saw that. I saw that one time, a tweet from somebody, I can't even remember who it was, mm-hmm. but I just said billionaires should, shouldn't exist. And I, I thought about, it, I'm like, you're right. Like, there's no way that a billionaire exists without taking advantage of, um, not just taking advantage of, but getting over on like people that have nothing, you know what I'm saying? And it's just wild to me. So yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I wouldn't want to keep on, I wouldn't want to hold on to that, that energy as you put it and just like, yeah, let's, let's, let's put it into the world. There's so many other people that need it, that it can do, um, wonders for everything like that. So yeah. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I feel like every time I see that there's another person added to the billionaire's list, I'm like, how many people have had to go hungry in order for that to person to be a billionaire? How many people had to go without shelter or clothing or healthcare, like in order for that person to get to the billionaire's list? Because the billionaires, I don't know them personally, uh, but the billionaires that I think we're exposed to, you know, yes, they do a certain amount of philanthropy and yes, there's a certain, you know, percentage that they give back. But I also ask myself, like, what are you going to do with it? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like what it like, you can only have so many cars and houses and this is, and that's like, I just think that 
when billionaires exist in the same society where people are living under bridges, mm -hmm. that's a problem. It's a that problem. Doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. I can't, I can't really make that make that an acceptable reality. So yeah, I yeah. wholeheartedly agree. So yeah. before I let you go, I have a couple little things that I want to do that I do with every one of my guests. Yes. So I like to play a little game called complete the sentence. So All I'm right. going to give you a couple of sentence prompts and you can complete them, take up as much or as little space as you like. Okay. So <clears throat> the first one is I am happiest when. Mm. I am happiest when I'm with my partner, Lindsay, and there's this place, this old house her, her family used to have, and it just sold a, a year or two ago, but like, um, it was in the upper peninsula of Michigan and uh, not going to lie. It's a hella white thing to have a cabin on the lake, but, <laughs> uh, but they had this cabin on the lake and, um, like there's not a care in the world that I have there and we would just walk along Lake Superior or go up to this mountain peak or anything like that. And I just remember that being the happiest. Like I'm not worried about work. I'm not worried about the next thing I need to do. I'm not worried about, you know, student loans. I'm not worried about um, racism. I'm not worried about inequity. I'm not worried about anything like that. It's just like, we're together, we're there. Um, I'm there just like taking in like creation. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and so, yeah, that th those are the moments where I'm happiest. I'm just like, everything is still and peaceful. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good space. Just taking yeah. creation. I like that. Mm. How about, I know I'm fed up when. So I'm a very patient person. So I know when I'm fed, I'm fed up when like I'm unfiltered and I just like cut loose or like, I'm just, or I just like have reached my breaking point when, when there's not a decision that's being made. And I'm just like, don't care about anybody's feelings. I don't care about what's going on. I'm like, we need to make a decision and we're going to do it now. And I, I'm, I just take leadership and ownership of, the, of that space so we can move forward. And then like, I'll have the conversations, mend the bridges, everything afterwards. But like, if we're sitting in a space and it's indecisive, I'm like, and we've been like debating or communicating about it. I'm like, yo, we need to make, like, we need to move. <laughs> so, um, so there's stuff like that when I'm un when I'm unfiltered and just like say what's really on my mind, that's when, you know, I've reached my breaking point. Mm. Yeah. How about, I know I've made an impact when. <sighs> I know I've made an impact when like, there's like a, t there's like a tone mm -hmm. of, of somebody when they've just like had like a breakthrough moment or like there's this look and so when I coach my, um, my, my coaching clients and like, I will reflect back on them of, of something of a realization they've had mm -hmm. and, just, and they'll be like, no, you did that. And I'm like, I didn't say that. Like you said that. And it's just like that, ah, like that noise is just like, I, it just makes me so happy that like, yo, you got, you got it. You got this. Um, and almost like a warm feeling too. I, I think of like warmth and happiness and joy and like that finally moment for them so like that's that's when I know I'm like that's so fun <laughs> I, I just I love that moment I love yeah. that moment oh that's the best that's the yeah. best like it's you know some people call it like the aha moment yes but it's like that moment where you're where you see the light you know kind of go on in a person is um yeah that's a beautiful 
a beautiful experience. So the last thing that we're going to do together before I let you go okay. is um, it's a little like micro meditation exercise. Love so it. You to find a comfortable place for your body so and ground myself. There you go. If yeah. you'd like to close your eyes, you can, or you can okay. gaze, whichever feels good. And we're just going to take three big deep breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth. And after you get through that third breath, just return to your natural rhythm and flow of breathing. In and out, just through your nose. And now we're going to imagine that you are in a time machine. And in this time machine, you're comfortable, you're safe. We're going to take a trip all the way back in time. And when the time machine stops and you step out of it, the first person you see is your 16 year old self. What do you say? I don't think I say anything. I just give. I just give him a hug. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I would just embrace and just embrace him. Yeah. Yeah. So after you complete that embrace of your 16 year old self, we're going to step back into our time machine and we're going to go all the way forward. Don't know how far we go, but all the way to the end. What do you want to be remembered for? That anybody and everybody I came in contact with just like felt safe. Um, they didn't have to hide. They just, just felt safe, like in our, in our home, um, when they're with me. Uh, not like protected, but like they just didn't have to pretend. Yeah. So we're going to take a deep breath in, long breath out in our time machine, coming back into the present moment. And then when you're ready, just gently begin to blink open your eyes. And the last thing, the very, very last thing I'm going to share with you, I've been using this Oracle deck of mm. cards since I started this podcast. It's called the Oracle of E, E for everything. And it's a deck of exactly 52 cards. So I just want you to give me a number between one and 52. 43. 43. Yes, that's a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times people don't go above 10. I'm like, okay, great. There's a whole, it's 52 cards. Yeah. So, okay. so, um, so the message is really whimsical. It says, whoop, whoop. There we go. The number 43. And the deeper message is, uh, let's see, let's see. It's party time. Mm. Hang the streamers, invite your friends, only a couple because we don't yeah. be proud. Okay. <laughs> Hang the streamers, invite your friends, put on your dancing shoes. There has never been a better time to fist bump everyone you know, joy till the world and smile until your face hurts. Yes. I love it. Yes. It's a celebratory time for you. And that means that 
you know, it's an opportunity for you to not only just celebrate, but really to be in a place of gratitude for who you are today, who you've become standing firmly in your whole and complete self, taking off the mask, burning that bitch up and yes. showing up as all the way you. So I am just so excited to have met you and yes, you, Jonathan, this has been one of my favorite conversations I've had so far this year. So I'm just so grateful for you to say yes for being here. And for the last couple of minutes, if there's anything that you want to share with the listeners, any programs that you might be having or yeah. just ways that they can get in touch with you, I want to leave that space for you to do that now. Awesome. Thank you so much. I, no, this has been an absolute joy. I, I mean, <laughs> these are always my favorite conversations just to like be. Um, so yeah, y'all can connect with me. Um, check out my podcast, Real Talk with Duma. Um, that is D-U-M-A-S. Um, I'm on all major platforms. Uh, I also do organizational development and talent management work for my company, Common Culture uh, Coaching and Consulting. And you can find me there at commonculturecc.com. Um, and that's the same handle for all of my socials as well for that. Um, yeah, I try and put on like monthly events and stuff like that. And I, I lead with the same posture um, in everything that I do. Uh, fun, uh, pro uh, professional, quote unquote, whatever that means. Um, respectful, um, authentic, vulnerable. Yeah, we just have a good time because I think, you know, life is too short not to have a good time. So yeah, yeah, that's me. Yay. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, next time you have an event in the area, if it's yeah. an in-person event, make sure that I am included on your invitation list. And that is one of the events that I will come to. Okay. <laughs> I'll hype myself up and I'll be there. <laughs> That's what's up. Don't worry. I'll send you the Zoom link. Don't even try. I appreciate you. Send me the Zoom link. You're the That's so cool. All right, Jonathan. Thank you so much. I'm going to let you go. Enjoy the rest of your day and we will be in touch very soon. I appreciate you again. Thank you. Sounds good. Okay. Bye, peace. It's time to wrap this up. And I just want to say very sincerely, thank you. You have your choice of thousands of different podcasts that you could be listening to each day. And I appreciate you for choosing this to be one of them. Right now in this moment, I see the light. I see the love, the wisdom, the beauty, the prosperity, the creativity, and the pure joy that shines within each of you. And I bow humbly before your divinity. Namaste. Namaste.